Well, we, uh, we're so thrilled that you're here today. Our, our servers are going to collect our offering. We appreciate you guys uh, and your, your faithfulness in that. So many things that I know there was a lot of announcements there that uh, you might or may or may not have caught, but uh, all of that stuff is able to take place because of your generosity, uh, because you're, you're so faithful in giving back to the Lord. And so we're thankful for that. Thank you for for uh, uh, just uh, taking time to, to do that. And, you know, I, I don't want to pile on because uh, you guys just turned red out there. I don't know what happened to you. Everybody just disappeared. I just got Either that or I'm having a stroke. One of the two. I hope that you're red out there. Uh, but one more thing while they're fixing the lights back there. Uh, one more thing that I, I wanted to let you know about is, and we mentioned about life group signups are continuing today, had a great response last weekend, and uh, we want to just encourage you, if you haven't signed up for a life group yet, be sure to do that. You can meet the leaders out in the lobby, and, uh, and next weekend, next Sunday night, we're going to be having a life group launch party here in this room. So this will be uh, uh, tables and chairs, Texas Roadhouse is catering, and we're going to have a really fun trivia night. It's going to be a, a blast, so you'll be a chance to hang out with your life group and get to know some of those people uh, while having a great time, and there's no cost to that or anything. You can sign up, again, by signing up for a life group in the lobby and let us know that you're going to uh, be able to make it for that, and it's just, just going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So we are, uh, we're continuing this, this series through the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and, uh, and, and I hope that you have been challenged and encouraged to, to dive into the Word yourself, to be getting into, you know, reading, as, as I've mentioned every week. The interesting thing with the book of Proverbs, there's 31 chapters, so if you read a chapter a day every month, you will have read through the whole book, and I know a lot of you are doing that, and, and I, I love hearing the stories coming out of that, so it's just, just a great stuff, a lot of great content, but there are three books in the Bible that are known as wisdom literature, and that is Proverbs, but also Ecclesiastes and Job, and all of those books are addressing the same questions. Which is, what kind of a world are we living in? And, and how, what does it look like to live well in the world? How, how can I be good at life? That's really what, it, what, what these books address. And most of Proverbs was written by King Solomon. And we know King Solomon as King David's son. Uh, he was the wisest man of, uh, that, uh, of his day. And, it's, and the, the book is written as if wisdom were a person. So it's, it's kind of personifying wisdom, and it's calling us to live wisely and make good decisions. At the very beginning of the book in chapter 1, it tells us this. This is out of the message version. Uh, it says that these are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going, a manual for living for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes, and to give our young people a grasp on reality. And there's something here also for seasoned men and women, still a thing or two for the experienced to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. So if you didn't, if you didn't catch that, I mean, there's something for all of us. In the book of Proverbs, and I, I've been saying every week that really, it's the book is a roadmap for how to live a better and happier life. That's really what it is. And you've noticed if you've been reading along that Proverbs doesn't read like a normal book. It's it's different uh, from other books of the Bible too. The the 
the book of Proverbs really can be broken up into three different sections. If you've got chapters 1 through 9, it was written as if wisdom were a person that's calling out to us, uh, like a wise father giving advice to his son, and like a, a lady of wisdom who is sharing how to avoid foolishness. And then the, the majority of it, chapters 10 through 29, which when we think of Proverbs, that's really what we normally think about is, is that middle section because it's just full of a bunch of one-liners. A lot of just great truths that are, that are good, but they're not necessarily connected to one another. They're, they're individual sayings and, and statements. And, uh, and what they really do is they contrast what wise people do versus what foolish people do. So it'll say over and over again, the foolish do this, but wise people do that. Don't, don't be foolish, be wise. And, and uh, one of my favorite ones is Proverbs 13, verse 16. It says that wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And they even brag about their foolishness. I've been thinking about that verse a lot. And I tell you, just in the last few weeks since we've been doing this series, I've been asking myself and I've been pointing that, that question back at myself and saying, you know, are, are, how are you doing with this, Brandon? Are you, are you taking time to, to pause, to think first rather than just respond? Because, you know, we can be driven pretty, pretty emotionally, you know, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, moments when we're angry or we're, we're tired or we get stressed out or whatever. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic. The next thing you know, there's not a lot of Jesus coming out of you in that moment. And scripture says, it's, it's a reminder, wise people, if you want to be wise, think before you act. Because fools don't do that. And they even brag about it. And this is way too common of an, of an occurrence. People acting without thinking, definitely without thinking about consequences. You know, what's going to happen as a result of this? The Bible says that's what fools do. Don't do that. Don't be foolish. Think before you act. I heard about a business owner who struggled with that. You know, it's got to be hard to own your own. So I know a lot of you, you own your own businesses, and that's, that's, a, that's a hard job to, to build something from scratch. And, you know, you've got to overcome a lot of obstacles. And I imagine that at some point it's probably hard to fight the, the old ego that thinks, you know, I know best. I built this company, you know, so I know, I know what's what, right? But I heard about this guy that really struggled with this, you know, thinking, you know, acting before he thought. And one day he's walking through his, through his business. He's got all these guys working for him. And he sees this, this one guy just standing up on the wall with his arms crossed, just kind of standing there, leaning against the wall, you know, staring at the, at the ceiling. And he comes up and he says, excuse me, sir, uh, hey, you, what do you, what's your salary? What do you make a month? And the guy says, oh, me? What, I, I, uh, I make $2,500 a month. And so the business owner says, okay. He takes out his wallet and he pulls out, I mean, he's just, he's just, doing well in his business evidently but he pulls out $2,500 in cash out of his wallet and says here you go here's your next month's salary you're fired get out of here you're just standing around like this not doing anything I don't tolerate this if you're going to work for me that means that you don't stand around and just you know twiddle your thumbs like this he says I want you to get out don't come back and I don't even want a discussion so this young guy's just speechless he takes the money just walked out and then the owner, he turns around, he looks at the rest of his employees and says, look, you, you all need to take a lesson from this. If you're going to work for me, you don't stand around like this lollygagging. This applies to everyone. If you don't want to work, you're fired. And one of his employees came up to him and he said, boss, do you, you, know, do you know that guy? And the owner said, no, I don't even know his name. He said, well, that was the pizza delivery guy.
Wise people think, or wise people think before they act. They take time to slow down, to, to, to evaluate the circumstances, evaluate the situation that I'm in. And when you get to the end of the book, Proverbs chapter 30 and 31, these are two chapters that were not written by Solomon. Chapter 30, which we're going to deal with a little bit today, was written by a man named Agor. We, we don't know anything about him. I dug and dug and tried to turn over every stone I could to find out who is this, who was this guy. We don't know anything about him other than what is written here in Proverbs chapter 30. And there's really about 10 different things that we could, that we could drill down on today. But I had to, you know, for time, I obviously got to choose one. So for our purposes today, this is, this is my main point. What I really hope that we take out of here today is that true wisdom is surrendering to God and learning to be content. That's, that's where, if you want to really get down to what does it mean to be a wise person, it's learning to surrender to God, and we're going to unpack that a little bit, what that actually looks like, surrendering to God and learning contentment, to be at peace with where I am. Uh, I was thinking the other day, you know, this, this is a real issue that, that most people have, especially in this country. I taught it uh, this past Friday night, Celebrate Recovery, and mentioned this, you know, a lot of, a lot of us... We have a real hard time discerning between knowing Jesus as our Savior and surrendering to Him as our Lord. We like the idea of having a Savior, you know, if sure, you know, I, I want to go to heaven, I don't want to go to hell, so yeah, I'll accept Jesus as my Savior, you know, that's like my fire insurance or whatever, and uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take some Jesus, but while I'm living, I want to do that on my own terms. I want to live my life the way that I want to live it. So don't, don't be cramping my style. I don't need Jesus to get all up in my business. He's my Savior, and now I just want to go do what I want to go do. And the word Lord, you think about, well, it's not a term we're even really familiar with that much. We don't use it outside of church ever. You know, maybe if you're British, you might think of lords and ladies. But really, many of us, we, I don't even know we, if, we think, if we understand what that word is. It means ruler. It's the authority, it's the leader, it's the boss, it's the person who has the power. And so you've probably seen just like we did a few moments ago. When someone's baptized, we ask them to repeat, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's about surrender. It's about laying our lives down before him. And sometimes I hear people say, uh, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. And I know I'm probably really splitting hairs here. But that really is not accurate. You didn't make him the Lord of anything. He's already the Lord of everything. He's in control. He's the authority figure. It's, it, it is true. He, he exists as the Lord of heaven and earth. He, he is master, ruler, authority over every created thing, including you and me. And so when we come to Jesus, we accept him as Savior and Lord. And what we're really doing is we're just acknowledging who he is. This is who you already are, and, and we're surrendering, we're, we're bowing the knee, surrendering our lives to him. And, and this is where wisdom begins. We, uh, we need wisdom more than we need our next breath. Because you and I are making decisions all day long. Every day from the moment you wake up, you have to make decisions. And they seem small, but those little decisions determine the course of your life. It determines where you're heading. And the decisions you made yesterday is determine who you are today. And the decisions you'll make today determine who you're going to be tomorrow. And when we have the 
wisdom that comes from God, it guides us into a better life. And that's the life God intends us to live. So we're going to see how this plays out in Proverbs 30, starting in verse 1. It kind of starts out by telling us who wrote this. It says This is the, the sayings of, of Agor. He says, I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out. I'm too stupid to be human, and I lack common sense. I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. Now, he's starting from a beginning position that we can't miss. He says, I am nothing, I have nothing, and I know nothing. That's what he's saying. I'm nothing, I have nothing, I know nothing. I'm coming with empty hands. Sometimes in our pride, we think that we've got God all figured out. It, doesn't, it really doesn't take long for us to have a sense of spiritual arrogance and pride when we talk about the Lord. I get so frustrated with that. Um, I've been, you know, over the years, I've been in small groups with different people. And, and I'll tell you, the groups that are my absolute favorite uh, are, are when, I'm, when I'm with a group of people who are just new and fresh to faith. And they don't really know too much about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because those people, they're just, they're just uh, they, they recognize it. Hey, I, and they'll admit, be the first to admit, you know, I, I don't know much. Uh, but, but what I've found is with people, especially those that are like me that grew up in church, there's just something about us. We, we just think that we're, we're a little bit more enlightened. You know, oh, I know a little bit more than, than uh, most. And so we just, we just get a sense of pride and arrogance about that. You see some people with their nose in the air. Oh, I've been a Christian for 40 years, 50 years, six. I've been a Christian for, for so many decades. And, and I, I think, you know, well, well, good for you. Then you, of all people, ought to have a better grasp on how little you know. Because the longer that I walk with the Lord, the more I'm discovering how little I know about him. I thought that I, I had him figured out, and he keeps surprising me. There, there's so much. We, we live in a culture that loves to brag. You know, I go to this church. You know, my pastor is so-and-so. I watch these people. You know, I read these books. I do this, and it all comes out of this desire to be something special or important. I don't know, we just, it's like an itch that just has to be scratched for us. That we just have to feel like we matter, that we're important. And we want people to kind of pat us on the back. Like, well, we know who God is and, and you guys don't. I think that makes God sick. I think he hates that. The idea that we could begin to grasp his greatness. Isaiah 55, the Lord said this. He said, listen, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, when we think about the heavens higher than the earth, that's a place I can't get to even if I... Got, went out and bought the tallest ladder, you know. I, I can't get there. And that's what he's describing. He said, listen, you think you know what I know? You don't have a clue. You, you don't understand. Our first step towards wisdom is to come before God and acknowledge, I'm nothing. I know nothing, and I have nothing. My hands are empty. And, and that in this relationship that we enjoy with God, we, we don't, we're not bringing anything into the relationship. Uh, boy, I, I've talked to people that, that kind of treat 
the offer of Christ, like, you know, Jesus says he wants to be your Savior. And they're kind of like, well, let me see. Let me think about this. I, you know, because there's a few things that I want to know first. There's a few guarantees that I'm going to need. There's a few. And <laughs> I think, this is, you don't understand your position there, buddy. You, you don't have the luxury of being able to dictate what God is going to do and what he's not going to do. We come to him with empty hands. He, he's, he's done something for us that we could never do for ourselves. And this is, the, this is all about the, the greatness and the, the incomprehensible mercy that our Heavenly Father has for us. And Proverbs 30 begins by just setting that foundation in place. He says, boy, I, I just feel like such a stupid person. I, I, I just, I, I don't know anything. And then verse 4, he says, this is, this is one of the most powerful verses in the book of Proverbs. It says, who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down? Who holds the wind in his fists? Who wraps up the oceans in his cloak? Who, who has created the whole wide world? What is his name? What is his son's name? Tell me if you know. These words were written seven to 900 years before the birth of Christ. Which I think is, is super cool. you, you got to think about this. Again, we, we, we forget we're reading ancient texts and, and trying to get into the room with the people when, when this was written and, and, and who was studying this. you, you got to think this is seven to 900 years before Jesus was born. And if you're reading this text, you're saying, what is his son's name? Like, I don't know. Who, who are we talking about here? And this wise man acknowledging God as creator and saying, I, I don't even know his name. What is his name? Tell me if you know. Here we are, 2,800 years later. We, we don't recognize how blessed we are because we can say with confidence, oh, his name is Jesus. You, you didn't know. You didn't get to, you, you, you were on the front end of this. We, we exist here in, the, in, in AD. You know, we understand who he is and what he came to do, and we understand more about God because of Jesus and his ministry. And, and that's what I've been telling you through this series is, what is the point of wisdom? What, what is the point of, of reading the Proverbs? And, and the answer is that the book of Proverbs is a roadmap for how to live better and happier lives. And we find near the end of the book, what we find is this, that the way of wisdom is through Jesus. That's the answer. It's always the answer. I know it feels like maybe you're a kid in Sunday school. You're like, yep, Jesus is always the answer. But it's true. He is the way of wisdom. It begins by surrendering and acknowledging his lordship in your life. I love this quote by John Stott. He said, when Jesus is truly our Lord. He's talking about surrender. When he is truly our Lord. That means that he directs our lives. And we gladly obey him. Indeed, we bring, and notice this, you underline this word in your mind. We bring every part, not just a few, not just the, the parts that we're comfortable with. We bring every part of our lives under his lordship. Our home and family, our sexuality and marriage, our job or our unemployment, our money and possessions, our ambitions and recreations, and too often we, we treat the Lordship of Christ like it's something that we get to weigh in on. Like you can be my Lord, you can be the, sure, you can be the boss, but, uh, and I'll let you direct my steps sometimes. But the rest of the time, I get to choose. 
I, I have free will, you know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go my own way. That's not the way this works. That's not who, who God is. He is Lord. We don't make him Lord. He is Lord. And joy and wisdom come when we acknowledge that. And when we live like that, when we totally surrender, we, we rest in his lordship. Some of us, we have pro- a problem with that because we like to buck and rear. I get that. I got a little rebellious streak that runs right through my life. And, and I was talking to the staff about this the other day. I said, you know, uh, my problem is ever since I was a kid, I've always recognized that I, I've, I've always been pretty, you know, I'll go along with the flow. I don't have any problem with that. But I've always had an issue with, like, dumb rules. Ever since I was a kid, if there was a rule that I knew, like, that doesn't make sense, I don't want to follow that, and, and it doesn't matter. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. I was the type of kid, and I still am, now I'm the type of big kid that's like, you know, I think I'm going to do it twice and film it just because you said not to. You know, that just doesn't, and, and that's just kind of that brokenness in me, you know. But, but joy and wisdom come when we rest in the lordship of Christ, when we trust his sovereignty, when we surrender to it and say, God, have your way in me. In all of my life, in every day, every moment, we know that God has the right to give. God has the right to take away. The next verse in Proverbs 30, the the author understands we come to God with empty hands. He says, verse 5, every word of God proves true. Well, if you want wisdom in your life, just rest there for a minute. Every word of God proves true true he's a shield to all who come to him for protection that's loaded there that this is this is a heavy heavy verse every word of god proves true you know think about okay what is what is proof proof is evidence it's what i see right if the if the jury's still out there you know i don't know okay is this is this true is it false which is it what's the the It's proof, it's evidence, it's the things that I can see. And what the writer is telling us is, hey, I've looked, I've investigated, this this has happened again and again and again in my life, and every word of God proves true. You think about your own life, I think about mine. That's been true for me. Every word of God has proven true. He's never, he's never uh, let me down. There's been moments that he didn't answer the way that I expected him to. There have been moments when I was walking through things that seemed confusing, and I I don't understand why. I don't get, you know, in that little rebellious part of me that says, this feels stupid. I don't know why we have to do this, you know, and I don't understand it. There's been plenty of those times. But there's never been a moment where I've walked through something, and I feel like, oh, God just uh, totally, totally reneged on his word there. Never. And that's the next step of wisdom, the heavenly music playing Getting the inspiration. Hold on, wait, wait for it. Ah. <laughs> the next step of wisdom. We begin by admitting that we bring nothing to God. And we, we understand that his word is true, that we have access to wisdom. I really, I've been loving the conversations I've been having with, with many of you. You're digging into these proverbs and you run up against something that doesn't make sense. And I've had, I've had this conversation multiple times with people that say, you know, I, uh, I was reading through the Proverbs and I, I read something and I didn't understand it. I, I didn't get it. 
And so I, uh, I, I Googled it. I'm like, what does this verse mean? And it led me to this, this other website, and it had like the, the, the original, like, I'm reading the Hebrew stuff, and then I'm like, well, what does this mean? So then I went and found like this Bible study tool, and it's, it's in this commentary, it was explaining it to me. And so here's what I learned, like that this verse, it means all of this, right? And, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. And they're like, oh, gosh, I feel kind of dumb. I guess I should have known all that, huh? I'm like, you're studying the Bible. This is so great. This is, this is what we want. You know, it, it, you're becoming a student of the Word of God. That, that is, you're going to mature as a believer in ways you can't imagine. Every Word of God proves true. He is a shield for all who come to him for protection. It's a great promise. God isn't sitting back saying, good luck with your life. He's not just, you know, he hasn't spun everything into motion and he's saying, well, I hope you figure out your problems. He is active and he's working in your life. He's a shield to all who come to him for protection. You're a wise person when you know that and you believe it. Many of you know about the journey that uh, Phil and Marsha Miller have been on the last few months. Uh, Phil was diagnosed with stage four liver and colon cancer. And there have been so many people all over the country praying for him. And, uh, and he, he's been responding really well to chemo treatments and, and getting some, some good news from that. We're, we're so grateful. But uh, I, I was talking to Phil the other day, and he said this. He said, you know, I heard a preacher say one time about how it can be such a struggle to deal with problems and pain. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, that God gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. So this preacher is saying, why is that? Why does God send the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous? What's the point of that? And he, this guy's conclusion was, so that the world can see the difference. That your life is a testimony. That it is a witness to the goodness and the mercy of our God. And Phil said, you know, that's enough for me. That is enough. No matter what I have to face, the world is going to see the difference through me. Because I have the hope of Jesus Christ alive in my life. There's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of trusting truth there. That every word of God proves true. Every word of God, not just some, not just a majority, every word of God proves true. He's a shield to all who come to him for protection. I'm going to close with the next couple of verses we read. Verse 7, he says, oh God, I, I, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. You say, okay, what's he going to say next? These are the two things I hope that I would get. This is a wise man writing this stuff down. Two favors, I beg you, Lord. Let me have these two things before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. So I want to be a person of integrity. And second, this is, so, this is so fascinating. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich... I, I, I know, this is, this is wisdom pouring out. I know this about myself. I understand this. If I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. That's a great prayer. Lord, help me to be content. Help me to be a person of, of integrity. 
Let my yes be yes. Let my no be no. Let me speak with honesty and give me just what I need for today. Give me my daily bread. Help me to trust you completely. I was thinking over this sermon last night, and uh, I got kind of hungry while I was thinking about it. So I go upstairs into the kitchen, and I open the fridge, and I'm looking at all the things, and I'm like, oh, maybe this. No, I don't feel like that. No, I don't want that. No, no, no. And it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll eat this. So I you know, make a little sandwich, and I'm like, what do I want to drink? Well, I don't feel like water. I've had water. I don't know. I don't have this. That. And it's like I'm, I'm going through all these options that I have, and it hit me. I, st- I thought about this verse. Can we put that verse back up there? It's uh, uh, verse 8. It says, don't give me poverty or, or riches. Uh, help me to just have enough. You know, for the majority of human history, people, their, their entire day was spent around just trying to find something to eat. You know, just to eat. It's been a relatively new thing in human history to have refrigeration, where we're storing things up, you know. And, and as Americans, to have, to have enough that, we, that we, we have excess. Like, we have things in our fridge that go bad because we didn't eat it. And, and, and I have the option to say, oh, I don't feel like this. I'm going to eat that instead. And I just, that, I was thinking about that, and it hit me. I thought, man, this is me. Verse 9, let's look at that again. Verse 9, if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? That's America. We're rich. Everyone in this room. Worldwide scale, you are wealthy. You are wealthy. So, we got a little problem. Because the temptation of our heart is to deny him and say, who is the Lord? I don't feel him. I don't see him. What's he done for me lately? There's a song that we sing every once in a while that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. I love when we sing that song, but I hope that it drills down into our hearts because my experience has been in my own life and as I, as I counsel other people is when we don't feel it and we don't see it, we give up on it. We say, well, God's not, not interested in, in me. This is a good prayer for us. Lord, help me not to deny you. Help me to surrender to your lordship. Help me to put you first place and give me just what I need for today. Help me to trust you. That's wisdom. It's a source of joy and contentment and, and peace. Too many people miss the beauty of what God wants to give you. I think a lot of us, even in this room, we're going to live our entire lives and we're going to die, and yeah, somebody will say something at our funeral about how we were a great Christian person, and boy, they're with the Lord now, and, and that may all be true, but you missed out on a great beauty that God wanted to give you. Because in every, in every circumstance in life, there's always a counterfeit voice. There's always a, something out there that's telling you, if you just get some of this, you'll be happy. Yeah, life's okay right now, but you just need a little more. You just need something a little different. And the pursuit of wisdom is it's tricky business. Because everywhere you turn, there is that same promise by something that will never lead to life. Now just try this. Just have more of this. The only way we're going to gain wisdom, the only way we're going to have a rich, joyful, and satisfying life is when we have a proper alignment with God. That's it. That's the only way to understand that there is a God and we are lower. That he is supreme and we are inferior. He is the Lord and we surrender to that. We're submitted to 
to God and we are not him. Proverbs tips us off to that theme at the very beginning of the book. And I mean, at the very beginning of Proverbs in chapter 1, verse 7, it says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Fear of the Lord, that means taking him seriously. And, but fools, they despise wisdom and discipline. This is what we want. This is what we're after. What, what, what's the source? What's the source? Proverbs is just really begging us to notice this. It's begging us to notice that this is not moral box checking. Yep, I showed up to church, did my thing. Yep, I put a few bucks in the offering plate, all right, and I waved at somebody on the way home today. So boom, 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 I, I'm a good Christian, I've done it. You know, this is not figuring out every complexity and solving for every possibility. I know people that think they're so superior because they can quote off scripture and rattle and they know the Greek and they know things and oh, look how, look how high and mighty I am. The way to walk more deeply in wisdom every single day is to embrace the fear of the Lord. To take him seriously, to understand as I grow, the longer I walk with him, the more I don't, the, the more I recognize how little I know and how high he is. I surrender to his lordship. I want to embrace contentment. We can only get there through Jesus. An old song we used to sing when I was growing up, you know this, a lot of you probably know this one, but the words went like this. I just love it. I was listening to it last night. Rock of Ages. Cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, saved from wrath and make me pure. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And while I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death. And when I soar to worlds unknown and I see thee on thy throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Can we do that today? Can we be the type of people to humble ourselves, to surrender to his lordship, say, this is not about me. Hide me, Lord, just hide me. I want to be hidden in you. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word that guides us, and we thank you for your spirit that it, you, you convict us and you, you move us and lead us. Help us to be pursuing more of you every day. Help us to remember that you are the Lord and that you are the Savior. Help us to surrender to you today. May we be just in awe of your, of your mercy and your goodness. We thank you for loving us. Thank, I'm thankful that you would be mindful of us. And we just want to exalt you, Lord. We, we lift you up. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.